The measure of a women's ministry is not the number of programs that we have. And so what is the measure of a women's ministry? I've termed it transformative relationships, so that women have relationships that we are accountable to one another, but we speak the word to one another so that we understand truth and we pursue holiness through those relationships in a changed life because of that, but also that we can become insular at the same time and become so self-focused that we don't have an eye to the world. And so I think we have to be very careful about that. In 1839, George Oglethorpe Gilmer and his son James Blair Gilmer bought 5,000 acres of this land now described as a vast unsettled wilderness from the United States government, calling a portion of his acreage Plain Dealing after the family's Virginia plantation. Now, what in the world does that have to do with the opening of our show today? Well, our guest is actually from this town, and I just thought it was an interesting fact. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Excited to have you here. I'm Byron Tyler. And today we welcome two ladies, Cricket Keith and Christy Bignall, with First Evangelical Women's Ministry. Ladies, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Cricket, you weren't expecting an introduction like that. No, I wasn't. So when was the last time you were in Plain Dealing? It's probably been about three years. Okay, not too long ago. Not too long ago. And uh, we called it Plain Dealing because the dealers dealt very plainly. I mean, the merchants, they were plain dealers. Nice. No underhanded stuff. Nope. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm surprised you knew plain dealing. That's great. Well, another interesting fact about it is Pat Boggs. He's the owner of Kelly Pharmacy. Do you know Pat? I do. Well, I just discovered this. He has lived all his 60 years in the town. He says his favorite thing about plain dealing is the small town community atmosphere and that you know everybody. Yes. His business was started 67 years ago by his grandfather, Mm -hmm. which is a pharmacy, which is interesting, too, because it kind of connects with Christy over here, Christy Bicknell, whose husband owns a pharmacy. That's right. That's right. Christy, and listen, I don't want to leave you out, too. Christy Bicknell, she's from Cabot, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. That's right. Now, the first settlement in Cabot was a refueling station located on the Cairo and Fulton Railroad. The area was first settled in the year of 1873 and was named in honor of a railroad surveyor. The city of Cabot was officially incorporated in the year of 19, excuse me, 1891. And tourists are drawn to the city's Joyland Skating Center. Now, how many times have you been to Joyland there, Christy? It's been a long time since I've been to Joyland. Tell me about Joyland. Oh, um, I didn't know it was a tourist mecca. Um, That's the first thing I can say. I think I've been there. Oh, I could count on one hand. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, we're not here to talk about the history of your towns. Mm -hmm. I I just thought it was interesting to connect. You know, really what's interesting, too, is towns are where people are, right? Mm -hmm. And I know you care about people. God's called you both into the ministry. You're serving together in the women's ministry. And I think it's neat. It's, you're not listed on the website as Cricket Keep, Director of Women's Ministry, Christy Bicknell, Co-Director. Both of you are directors of the women's ministry. Tell me about how do you manage this relationship? Now, I know what's happening. You're about to hand the baton over right. to Christy after, right. has it been 15 years? Uh, 17 and a half. Well, sorry about that. 17 and a half yes. years. Take us back to when you first started the First Evangelical. I know some of your background you served with Crew, I believe, Campus right. Crusade for Christ. Right. And something else about you, too, that I thought was interesting. You're going to have to help me on this. Um, okay. You are a former perfusionist. 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 You studied perfusion theology at the University of Texas Health Science Center, and you were an instructor at the Texas Heart Institute. Mm-hmm. Tell me, I've never heard of this term before. Well, a perfusionist is the person who runs the heart-lung machine during open-heart surgery. Oh. So it's... 
totally all in surgery. I did that for like 18 years where I was a professor and did teaching. And then I also did lab teaching in the OR with students and then moved to Dallas. And when I was in Dallas, I was a perfusionist for I don't remember how many years, but God began stirring in my heart when I was hitting about 50 years old that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life running the heart-lung machine and open-heart <laughs> surgery. I wanted to go back into full-time ministry. Wow. So I went to seminary while working in the hospital. Dallas Seminary you went to? Dallas Seminary. Yeah. And Christy and I were there at the same time, so that was kind of neat. And uh, we were at the same church also. How about that? But anyway, went to seminary, and after graduation, I left the job of perfusion and drove the stake in the ground and said, the rest of my life, Lord, it's yours. That's beautiful. And I came here. They were looking for a women's ministry director. And You know, what's interesting, Cricket, is that you really haven't left. You're still in the heart ministry. <laughs> I am. That's what my, my heart team in Dallas yeah. always says. You're yeah. still working on hearts. Christy, take me back to Dallas Seminary. I guess the same time as, mm-hmm. as Cricket mentioned. Did you know each other then at that time? We were in the same circles. We didn't spend much time together. We were at the same church. Right. I um, had taken a position that she had held several years prior to me joining that church staff as well. So there was some overlap, common friends. We walked across the stage together and have some great memories of baccalaureate, spending having those those years together and celebrating her move to Memphis because I was sent by First of Ann to seminary. So were you sent for the purpose of women's ministry? Not for women's ministry. I was on staff actually at Christ Methodist before I moved to Dallas for seminary, but a member at First Evan. And so I moved to Dallas to attend seminary and study cross-cultural ministries. Um, never thought I'd find myself in women's ministry, but as I got older, realized I need one too. I told you before we went on the microphone about the uh, the heritage from the Bicknell family, mm-hmm. Curtis and Wanda Bicknell. Curtis just passed on to be with Jesus not too long ago and pray for Miss Wanda, but uh, I first met Curtis Bicknell as the bookstore manager at Mid-South Bible College and watched him to go on to become the bookstore manager at Bellevue for many years. Right. Of course, his children, uh, Kurt and, and, and Gina, Jenna, me, we, we talked about that, Jenna, she's going to kill me, Bicknell Smith, she, she married a pastor, David Smith, both are friends. It was just neat to see the connection with your family. And God's blessed you with a beautiful daughter. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of connections. So I moved back to Memphis to work at Mid-South, then Crichton College. Okay. So that's what brought me back to Memphis, as a matter of fact. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. I didn't had no idea. So a lot of, a lot of small circles, small world. <laughs> um, but we do. We have a three-year-old daughter, Emma Samantha. She's there's no words to describe her, to be honest, because I hate to use the word blessing, um, but she's a blessing, but she's a joy, and she teaches us every day. You know, dependence on God. <laughs> they do. Don't they? You know, we have three sons, of course, are grown, mm-hmm. and now three grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Of course, now the grandkids are having that privilege. I love looking through life through the lens of children. Right. You learn so much. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be reminded mm-hmm. of so many things you might forget. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, you know, dive into here. And uh, first of all, I want to know what the primary goal of the women's ministry. I know mm-hmm. churches set out goals and visions and missions and everything. But what's the specific goal for the women's ministry at First Evan? Well, we have a a mission statement, basically, and it's one that's very common. You've heard it, but it's we want to encourage women of all ages and stages of life to know him more intimately and to make him known. So we really want to help deepen their walk with the Lord, but also help them in making him known to others. And You know, I ask my women, why do we even need a women's ministry? What can we do that's not already happening through the church? 
women are unique because women need women. I mean, even married women have said, my husband doesn't understand the way that my girlfriends, the women, understand what I'm feeling. And so women need women, and that's something that we're coming together for. What do you think, Christy, are some pitfalls that you have worked hard to avoid while staying true to this particular Mm -hmm. vision and goal for women's ministry? Well, as Cricket hands the baton to me, we're in that space of Cricket and I have talked about this, that there's nothing new under the sun. The measure of a women's ministry is not the number of programs that we have. And so what is the measure of a women's ministry? I've termed it transformative relationships so that women have relationships that we are accountable to one another, but we speak the word to one another so that we understand truth and we pursue holiness through those relationships in a changed life because of that. But also that we can become insular at the same time and become so self-focused that we don't have an eye to the world. And so I think we have to be very careful about that. That we are encouraging to one another, we do find a place of belonging, but that we're also very realistic about what our children and our families are facing and addressing those issues and topics face forward. You've got to look at what is your church about? What does your church want to accomplish? How can we help the church accomplish those goals through the women's ministry? As you see women struggling to navigate through their current season of life, whether they be single, newly married, widowed, with marriage struggles, there's so much. How do you meet the balance of those needs? How do you try to reach, you know, reach mm-hmm. those needs? I think Crick and I can both share that we've lived through a lot of those life stages ourselves. Mm-hmm. I was professional until I got married at 41, so I was older when I got married. That also means that we're older parents. We've walked through the passing of Kurt's father, and so Wanda, his mom, lives with us. And so walking through that, Cricket has similar experiences um, with her family as well. And so what we know is it really— It's interesting you asked this question. A couple of weeks ago, we had a women's event at the church, and the conversation was on the seasons of life. What I can say emphatically is, regardless of the season of life that we're in, Scripture has to be our guiding focus, but it has to guide us to Christ. In fact, our study this past week, um, there's a quote by Warren Wearsby that talked about that we do not worship Scripture. Scripture leads us into worship of Christ. And so through that process, what our work is as the directors of women's ministry, as members of the local church, is to guide one another into worship of Christ and how is he guiding us through his word to walk through these seasons. Yeah, and I was thinking too, you know, as a pastor— is called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, would you, Cricket, consider your position and, and Christy together to equip the women and yes. find those core women wanting to be that living sacrifice and lead their families according to a, a gospel centrality and, and ministry? I mean, you're pouring into them so they, in turn, you know, can do the ministry. Right. Our heart is really to encourage women to be all that God created them to be. And use their gifts, their talents. And I believe that every one of us has a unique purpose that God has gifted us for a specific purpose. And whether and whether whatever season we're in, whether we're single, I'm single. I never married. Not by choice. Yeah. God's choice. Yeah. But God had a purpose for me in singleness. And uh, I had women ask me, well, Cricket, how can you minister to somebody that's married when you don't have those struggles? And my answer is similar to what Christy said. 
the answer always comes back to Jesus and his work in our lives. Yes. And John MacArthur was doing a message just, I think, yesterday and talking, singleness is a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and sometimes people in the church negate that and see right. single get kind of left on the side, on the sidelines. In Jesus, we're all one, right? Right. Talk about Christian women helping them to confidently live in their identity with Christ. When we don't understand truly our identity in Christ mm-hmm. and live from that, we have a tendency to find our identity in the things we do in our relationships. Mm-hmm. That can cause trouble too, right, Christy? Right. Well, as you said that, it made me think like we there is no separation between secular and sacred, yeah. that all that we do is for the glory of God. We also need to balance that as well in terms of the fruits of the Spirit. There's a lot that gets wrapped up into how that manifests itself and how it looks as we work through our lives. But it's important too, because as I think about our women and femininity, um, mm-hmm. we have just a conversation um, culturally on femininity and its contrast to feminism, to its contrast to um, meek, to its contrast to strong. I mean, so there's a lot of conversations on how the nuances of what does it mean to be right. a woman who follows Christ. Yes. Um, and so it's a loaded conversation. I'm not sure how much time we have <laughs> to really dive into that, but it's one that I think we have to approach with sensitivity, with recognition that our gifts as well call us to different voices that we have within that conversation as well. And something else, too, when you look at that and trying to develop women to see that identity is creating a successful disciple-making, mentoring-style mm. relationship with older women to younger women. Well, and I think organic relationships are really important, too, where those relationships are not forced, like you're not pairing people up. Like, you know, and I've been in churches where we paired up discipleship couples, you know, like the older with the younger. A lot of times it doesn't work out because personalities just don't click. But when you have a venue where you can bring women together, like in our Bible study, we try to mix the ages. And then there's just that organic clicking and somebody will go to an older woman and say, would you hang out with me? Can I talk to you about parenting? And it's just organic. And those have ended up, we've seen some of the most long lasting, effective relationships when they're more organic than when we force it. Like, okay, you two are going to meet for a year. We found it's better when it's just a natural environment. So when you don't push it, then it just happens naturally. It's just more of a a genuineness. And they're hungry. They Both sides want to meet. But you provide the setting for them to kind of meet in a group. And then within that group, they think, oh, I, I love what you said. That's how I found a lot of my mentors is in that organic mentoring environment. Right. Do you find that women easily hide in events. You know, a lot of women have events. Godly community really consists of connecting in the small groups through Bible study, prayer groups, and one-on-one discipling. Are you finding that women are engaging these type of community groups maybe after first getting acquainted with the events that you might have? I think there's safety and anonymity at first. Mm -hmm. I think anytime we go somewhere new, you kind of Many of us do like to hang back and kind of stand and watch and kind of see and where might your place be. But all of us want that place of belonging at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so we need that to find that um, environment where we can be engaged, that we can find our relationships that are intergenerational, which is a value that you'll hear First of Ann talk often about um, and the women's mm-hmm. ministry talk often about. And I just want to throw out a name here. Who can uh, 
not appreciate the life and legacy of Marianne Frazier. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marianne Frazier and Margie Andrews. Yeah, those women right there. Matter of fact, Margie was on the show here on her 90th birthday, right where you are now. Wow. Matter of fact, that video of her, my interview with her is, uh, is on my YouTube channel at Byron Tyler Radio. If you're mm-hmm. watching, you want to go and check that video out. But just walking yeah. with her through ministry was such a blessing. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish. I want to make sure I, I finished the thought. I, I stopped with anonymity, and I wanted <laughs> to make sure that we didn't say people could be anonymous, and that's okay. No, no. Because I do agree, though, that we need to find those spaces where we can engage and be involved. And relationships are the easiest way to do that because we can guide one another as we see each other's strengths of how we can help one another plug in. And I'm seeing that even with some women now that are seeing that, hey, I want to engage with, I want to equip, I want to disciple or mentor women of a certain generation or age group, young moms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see that longing and that's exciting. Yeah. That's when yeah. we see really it, it ties back to cricket study that we're doing this semester on leaving a legacy, seeing that growing desire that we want to see our legacies grow and continue. And that yes. requires investment. What about when it comes to strategy and connecting the women you minister to with Good curriculum. And, and, <laughs> and I've got before me right here that you've written cricket and you've written several. We mentioned this book here, Before the Throne. It's an eight-week Bible study, Finding Strength Through Prayer in Difficult Times. And this is one of several curriculum and books that you've written for women's Bible studies. But when you're looking for the right curriculum or when you get together for planning meetings and you're trying to decide what's our direction, how far do you plan out and what do you look at when you're looking at getting the right material in the hands of your women? I start almost a year out from, we kind of start in the fall with our program year. And I start in like this time of the year thinking, what is the theme that my women need? What is going on in their lives? And one year it might be rest. You know, this year I just felt like, let's just focus on, you know, leaving a legacy and being rooted in the faith. That was our theme this year, rooted. And then I try to think of what material Bible study would help us grow in that area. And so in the fall, we did a study. I wrote a study on just kind of taking people from the basics of the Christian faith, assurance of salvation, all the way up to developing your own personal mission statement, giving them tools to disciple other women. And then this semester, you know, I wrote one on 2 Timothy about how do we leave a legacy of eternal significance? How do we make our lives count? And these prayer books that I've written two prayer studies for Moody, and both of those came out of needs in my life and my women's lives of, how do I pray? Well, let's look at prayers in the Bible and learn from that. So I kind of look at what is the need of the women, and then if I can't find a Bible study out there that I feel like meets that need, then I write it. You write it yourself. I I tend to write most of them. but uh, I love that. And I think that's important, too, because there's a lot of fluff out there. Isn't there, Christine, mm-hmm. when it comes to—and for men, too, for Bible mm-hmm. studies. Going back to your purpose of being grounded in the Word mm-hmm. and how important the Word is, right. because there's a lot of topics. Right, but we want to make sure—when when you read the psalm and the psalm, when we hear that, my soul thirsted, you know, a thirst after the Word of God, not the commentary on the Word of God. And so I think we do have to be very cautious. There are a lot of wonderful authors out there right now writing— Christian books, but they're not necessarily leading us to the Word of God. It's a, it's a commentary mm-hmm. on the Word of mm-hmm. God. And so that's my caution and my awareness as we, we hand the baton over is how do we approach our Bible study so that we're equipping with Scripture? How important is it to create that safe place for women to feel comfortable expressing their struggles or hurts or hangups 
a time of confession and transparency without that fear, you know, they're going to be talked about or shunned mm-hmm. by other women because they happen to be honest with the way they felt. You know, we have tried to really incorporate into our small groups that idea of this is a safe place. You can be transparent, but it's also a place that you hold private. I mean, you don't go out and share with the world what somebody has just poured their heart out in that group. We do things a little bit differently, probably at First Van than some churches. We don't always mix up our groups. We kind of have kept them together year after year. And if women want to change groups, we let them. But they have found that they love being able to go deeper and deeper and deeper instead of wider. Yeah. And that's where they'll say, it takes us a year to feel like we're safe to open up. And then by the second year, it's like, okay, now I can even go deeper and share what's going on. And they're building those deeper walking alongside each other because they have walked through things together for a period, not just, okay, a year, now we're mixing y'all up. I think that's an important statement, too, is that we have to invest in our local church And that's what's required for the relationships that you just described, is time. That's a sacrifice sometimes, but it's a worthwhile investment when we're willing to do that for not only for ourselves, but for others. There are Mm -hmm. certain things you can't rush. Some women, and of course men too, are carrying baggage Mm -hmm. of hurt and pain Mm -hmm. or things they've never discussed. And there might be something that through a study that all of a sudden just opens up a Mm -hmm. conversation that they've never faced or openly shared, right? Maybe years. Right, and they feel the freedom. Now, they want it first, and that's why the women said, don't change our group after the first year because we're just now getting where we feel like we can have the safety to open up and share what's really there. What's encouraging is when you see women in the group come alongside somebody and go, I see you're hurting. Let's go out to lunch. Mm. Let's talk. Yeah. And so some of that ends up going outside of the group, but one-on-one, which is what, you know, we want that too. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Well, Christy, what are some character traits and women's ministry leadership standouts that you've seen while working with this lady right here, Cricket? Oh, that's a great question. Cricket loves the word. That has to be first, because without that, you're headed to the wrong target. So to have that as the identifying characteristic of, of Cricket has to be number one. Her love for... Think of your love for women, mm-hmm. particularly those that you've invested with internationally. And that goes back 40 years, 50 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. because that's not just about the women here at First of Anne, That's about the women in other countries that you have spent time with. Your heart is still there with them. And so I pray that you will see the fruit of those labors before we get to heaven. <laughs> but I know you will once we're there. Um, steadfastness. Cricket, you have walked through. A lot. You continue to walk through a lot. And you have a steadiness in the character that is trustworthy Mm -hmm. and kind. I trust, again, that you will see the fruits of that with friends and family. Okay, Cricket, after after 17 and a half years, excuse me, leading the women's ministry at First Event, you're passing that baton over to Christy uh, to carry the torch. How difficult is this time for you? You've invested a lot. What have the joys been, and what are some of the joys you're looking forward to? Well, I've just loved seeing lives changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what you want to see in ministry is how are lives changing? How are women growing deeper in their relationship with the Lord? How are they walking by faith now? So that's been a joy. And seeing the women's love for God's Word deepen makes me happy, too. And then discipleship going on. Those have all been joys, just seeing the ministry grow. And to be honest, 
When I started this job, I was on my knees saying, God, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Please help me. But, you know, I think that was the best place I could be because I didn't come in thinking I knew it all. It was like, God, help me, please. I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. But I think the joy now as I'm ready to hand this over to Christy is one that God provided Christy because we have had such a relationship. I was telling somebody the other day, I don't know if I would be as excited about leaving if this was just handed over to somebody I'd never met until a few weeks ago. I trust Christy's vision. I trust she's got a lot of the same things that my heart is for, but she also has some fresh ideas that, you know, after 17 years, you're starting to think, okay, maybe it's time to bring in some fresh blood, fresh ideas. I cannot wait to see what this ministry is going to do when Christy is totally in charge. I mean, we're having so much fun working side by side, but I know it's time to hand it over to a younger generation. Christy, are you ever going to invite this lady back to speak to the women? (laughs) Oh, of course. (laughs) That that goes without saying. (laughs) Okay. Now, our time is slipping away quickly. We did mention the book, Before the Throne, that you've written with the help of Moody Press, Finding Strength Through Prayer in Difficult Times, an eight-week Bible study. There's also Bible studies you've created on bended. Is it on bended knee? On on, on bended knee. On bended knee. Praying Like Prophets, Warriors and Kings. Do you plan to spend some time in more writing, developing curriculum and speaking? That is my hope is to have more time to write because I love to write the Bible studies. I also want to mentor young women's ministry directors. I've already started doing that. And so I feel like God is saying, hey, it's time. I want you to focus on those things that you're passionate about, which is writing, discipling, and mentoring, and speaking. Yeah, cricket, I love that. Okay, Christy, how can listeners discover more about the women's ministry at First Divan? Well, easily on the First Divan website, but I'd say the easiest way and probably the most personal way is just to call the church or shoot me an email, and then we can connect personally. There's a lot of that cannot be conveyed in the written word yeah. that we can have just via conversation. And if you go to the website, there's links to both of your emails. Mm-hmm. So you can directly off the website shoot you either Absolutely. Christy or Cricket an email and be able to uh, get those questions or maybe invitation to come speak to a group or even mm-hmm. you too, Christy, could come. Mm-hmm. Maybe I want a tag team and do a conference <laughs> for a women's. I know you just did something with Carrierville uh, First Baptist Church. Women right. Last year, uh, about a year ago, yeah. I did a retreat for them, and I just spoke at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee last week. That's where my heart is. I want to encourage women yeah. to grow and to go deeper. That's what we want to do, too. Getting the Word of God into the people of God is our mission here at Bot Radio Network, and we love what these ladies are doing through the ministry of First Evangelical Church, have been cricket for some 17 and a half years. The new moving forward with cricket, <laughs> with Christy, rather. And Christy, you'll have to come back with even some ladies to share about other ministries and outreaches. We want to keep ministries like this in front of our listeners. Thank you all so much for what you're both doing for Christ's kingdom, for the glory of Christ here in our city. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 